Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Guinness, Dave Skull. What I am sure will be fun. You know it's going to be fun because Biscuit walks into the studio today. I'm in my office. So I'm not doing the show from home. I'm in the office. I'm sitting there. He walks in. He's like, you want to talk about that crap on the floor last night? And I was like, well, we can talk about the dog too. Ah. And that's that's about how it's gone. That's about how the prep is uh, for this one. Last night stunk, Dave. Okay. And, and I don't... the, the I am simultaneously more annoyed by it and annoyed at myself for being annoyed by it because it's so very much in keeping with how the vast majority of this season has gone. This feels like an incredibly disappointing, whimperous kind of end to the season. I don't think whimperous is a word, but for us, it is. is. Yeah, between the – I mean, after the – I'm sure it's not a word. Whatever. Whimpering will work, you know – after that stretch of Wimp what I filled. think is is our best <laughs> wimpy, our best stretch of basketball against the best part of the schedule, we looked at that last stretch and we were like, okay, I see a Georgia Tech team that we've beaten once before. And granted, they're playing better basketball than they were earlier this season, but it's Josh Pastor and Georgia Tech. You got a shot. We should almost expect to win, not expect, but like we should expect to have a very competitive game and, and have a shot at that. And Virginia Tech is very mid this year overall uh and we should have a look at them if we play to the level we played during that four game stretch we should have a look at being able to beat them as well at least be competitive on senior night in the last home game and i've maintained the virginia game on the road it's going to be like it's fine whatever that, that's 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 a tall order it but, should be forbidden under the geneva conventions yes yes verboten yes um you had to do that i did it's a i love right. that word okay verboten that's fair yeah. I already said whimperous. Well, who the hell am I to judge, right? You said you, you made up a word. At right. least I used a other word. <laughs> a different language. Well done, buddy. German I stand or... corrected. <laughs> you said you said other word. You totally lost your own nerve. <laughs> right I didn't know where to that. go with that. Yeah, I know. And I don't think it's uh, I'm still shook by the dog crapping on the court last night. Um, but that's, look, it was bad. They cut it to three. They cut it to three. And it felt like they were pushing, and then they just let go of the rope. Virginia Tech hit a few three-pointers, and they stopped doing. The reason why that game was within 10 for the entire first half and beginning of the second half was because even though Louisville wasn't making any three-pointers and weren't shooting particularly well, they were out-rebounding Virginia Tech. You know, their turnovers were kind of meh. But they were, they, were, they were working, you know, and it looked like they were playing decent. Defense. They they lost a couple shooters early on, but overall they they looked like they had they were matching energy on the defensive end in the first half in the first part of the second half, and then all of a sudden they were losing Virginia Tech shooters left and right, and Tech started hitting those three pointers, and it was just an avalanche after that. And all it took was a three four minute stretch where the game just got out of hand, and there was a stretch in the first half too. Um, when it was like ten to eight, and all of a sudden you looked up and it was that's when they stretched it out to like twelve, and and Louisville fought back and kept it within ten for the next fifteen minutes of, of gameplay. But man, there were just a few moments where I was like, "Dude, this 
They just let go of the rope for a few minutes, and that's all it all it took. And and it was like flipping a switch. And I, I it's just a, another stark reminder, like Georgia Tech was, that this team is bad. This season has sucked. And the most on the nose. Then we just got hit with the most on the nose metaphor for the entire season during the halftime show with that poor dog making a mess on the court. It, in an odd way, that you like, you almost have to laugh at it because you have no other option. But you you Talk can't about the dog or the well, whole just, thing. You can't yeah. help but laugh at well, yeah at the at a dog like li- actually. Just taking a dump right on the floor. Like, if I told you that happened, you'd be like, all right, enough already. Quit piling. Like, come on. That's like something that somebody who is like the most hateful person that's called all year or whatever, that's what they would call it. And they would be like, Frisbee dog probably dump on the floor at halftime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you might so, have gotten that phone call earlier this I year know. because the Frisbee dog has performed already this year. They, they might have called you earlier this year. You know what's a shame about that, about that whole thing happening? Frisbee dogs rule. Yeah, she's delightful. Those halftime yeah. shows are amazing. I love it. And as a little kid, I don't know, maybe it just is you know sentimental, but like the Bucks would be hideous, and so just routinely would pay bare bones to go to a game, sit in the stands just to get to halftime to see them freaking yeah. dogs out there. The Bucks are losing twenty-one to three or whatever at halftime, yeah. and the dogs would light that place up. It's a great halftime show. Great, Her, uh, the dogs in like Red Panda, you know, like things like that. Are fantastic. Everybody loves a dog, but you could tell last night there was something off with the dog, and it turns out that she hadn't emptied her bowels before the performance. She solved that problem. She did. God love her. Well, it was a, look. It was a miserable effort, and and I, I think would you like the, the, what I think is is sort of the most distressing uh, part of this is that is that it, it felt like, and if I think if I had it handy, I would do it. But I truly have, at multiple times this season, really considered pulling together Monday and Wednesday clips of you and me and playing them to see if anyone noticed that this is stuff we'd all already said before. Yeah, I really have thought about doing that, but I'm lazy is the big thing. But I've thought about it, so give me credit for the thought. Which, which like everything we're saying? No, I've thought about doing that. Yeah. So I want credit for having done it, just for having thought about doing it. Wait, like, like, like sitting down and cutting out okay. a bunch of clips of you and I talking about this team after other games, just to see if anyone would notice that it's none of this is new. Oh, okay, you're saying like actually use yes, the old clips, actual clips, and just play them. To I see honestly them. don't think anybody would because the analysis of this team, with the exception of one stretch of the season, hasn't changed much. You know, like we, we talked about February as in as optimistic terms as we could up until the last couple games. And whatever growth they had on offense, and because again we acknowledge like the starting point was so low that growth wasn't a hard thing to attain. Um, but whatever growth they did show during the toughest stretch of the the season, they let go of it the last two games against a bad team and a average team. In the game last night, Louisville turned the ball over thirteen times. Yeah. There was a game this year that Louisville turned the ball over 12 times. They were 2 of 14 from 3. Last night they were 11 of 28. That surprise you? Who was? It says Louisville's 11 of 28. From the three-point line? Or is that just from the field overall? That was, from the, I, that was not the three-point line. That's what it says. We were 0 of 9 at one point. There's no way this this can't be right. No. Oh, that's the I have development box score backwards. Thank you. There okay. we go. I was like, dude, no way. Yeah. We made, I was we looking made at like them two or three threes. Louisville had twelve turnovers last night. Yeah. To five assists. In the That's the opposite of what you want, Mark. Ratio wise. After having in the season opener against Bellerman, thirteen turnovers. They were the same teens amounts of turnovers in every just about every single game this year, from game one to game thirty. What's what was our assist numbers in the Bellarmine game? Was it like four? They had twelve in the Bellarmine game, really? believe it or not. See, that was pretty high for them early in the season, honestly. Um, oh, that was the exception for sure. The point being, the the things that plagued them game one plagued them last night. Yeah, 
And I think that's the part that truly bothers me above everything else is just kind of the sameness. This didn't it didn't even get worse. You know, there were there was a lot of doomsdaying at the beginning of the year of like what's the crowd going to be like? What's the, what's the arena like what's the mood going to be like? What's the team going to look like? Guys are going to leave, guys are going to quit, guys are going to get out of all this stuff. Like we we really had a number of people who called in like what if they and I have to I guess we do kind of owe a lot of you early on in the year. We were very dismissive of people like what if they only win a couple of games all year and we're like <laughs> come on. Oh, I stopped dismissing that around the, around the around yeah. the like but yeah, pretty early. Honestly. But in an odd way, Dave, like, it's really true. The team did not. The worst case scenarios did not emerge. But they didn't get any better either. And that we've now had almost a full year of him being the head coach. It's been well over a year since Chris Mack was dispatched with, and thirty games into the year, they didn't get any better at anything either. And I just I, I don't know what to even think of a team that not, that did not change over the course of a season. How is that possible? Like it 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 it, it turned out that the stretch of like better offensive play was really a blip in the grand scheme. When you talk about the last two games and what's happened, and the growth stopped. You know, it, it just it it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and it's this wasn't worst case scenario because worst case scenario was zero and thirty one, but this is pretty close. Four and twenty eight or four and thirty one, whatever it's going to be, or, or I'm sorry, four and twenty eight, four and twenty seven, whatever it is, that's pretty close to the worst case scenario, like under five wins. I mean, I, I think I've been clear about how I feel about it and how I feel about next year because I think he's coming back. Um, and I think he's got so much work to do in the offseason. It's not, it's almost incomprehensible, but it's can be done. I just, I, I never want to hear because I f- just wholly reject that these kids are completely uncoachable narrative. And I wholly reject the, well, you can't blame Kenny for any of this narrative. And I wholly reject, not saying it's all on him, but you, I just wholly reject all of these narratives that attempt to absolve the coaching staff of all accountability for the product in the court. I will always reject that. Next year, those ex- excuses just aren't there. They're not. You've got an entire offseason without the cloud to build this this roster and, and turn over whatever you want to turn over and get rid of whatever players uh, you have said in press conferences aren't coachable or don't come from good families, which was a hell of a take or whatever it was. Like, just you have a lot you, – you got a lot of work on your plate, and it needs to happen. Because there won't be the margin for error next year is not going to be not going to be there. Well, that's the big problem with just washing your hands of this whole season. Yeah. Is all you're really doing is borrowing from next year right now, because what you're not doing right now in this entire basketball season is banking anything good. And so all you're just loaning next year's, you're borrowing it right now so that when next year starts, you've spent it all already. Like it, it, there will be no margin for error next year. Like people will have no pay. Like it has got to be, if you are like the, the heavier this, this uh, trailer got and you just started loading it up with more and more and more of, it's the players. It's these players. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But like the more it just got the 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 blame just being put on others, on the players in particular, nonstop, all season long. All season long. Like then the more like it has to be one hundred and eighty degrees different the minute other players show up. Yeah. Has to. Right? Yeah. When you are when you are handpicking who you bring into this program next year. And you're doing it without the strictures or the cloud or whatever you want to talk about last year. There is no you can't blame them or blame the type of kid they are. Whatever it is that you that has been used this year is out the window. Like it, it it's on you, man. Like you're building your roster completely. And I would whatever whatever excuses you thought you had last year, and some of them were valid. Don't want to dismiss that. But I've been pretty clear that not all of them were. 
you know, and and at this point, you have the NIL money, you have the transfer portal, you have zero cloud. I expect she says they call that getting fronted when you buy weed. <laughs> That's funny. Great reference. That's funny, but like, let's talk about like um when you when you. Uh, miss a payment on a loan you know what i mean or, or you or you ask for forgiveness on a loan that that doesn't go away you know you've got to pay more later and it's just like it's kind of like uh looking at satterfield's let's look at, at two different coaches that had different levels of success with the football team and football is completely different than basketball but actually you would say basketball is a little easier to flip and you can do it a little quicker every player is you know seven and a half to ten percent of the roster exactly one player so you look at these two guys, Satterfield, at the beginning of his, his tenure, he was successful right out of the gate off of a disaster of a season. He went, he had eight wins in his first year, and that banked him a fair amount of goodwill. He squandered it by the end of, of the second season, but I promise you if he had gone like three and nine or four and eight and done all the things he did after that, he probably wouldn't have made it to year four. You know, like that, that gave him a lot of wiggle room and made his record look far better than it probably felt after year three and year four. Um, then you look at like a Cragthorpe. I know we don't like to say his name. It's like Voldemort, but Cragthorpe. What did he do? What was the trademark of his entire tenure here? I feel like it was blaming other people for everything. It was that play sheet that looked like the The Waffle Waffle House House menu. menu. For whatever reason, I, I don't know why, but that play sheet tucked in the front of his pants and him saying Trent guy was a freaking stud those two things like that for I it, I don't know why but I became aware of the Waffle House menu play sheet with Craig or with him. that's I what think I think was, of I think it was because he was so bad <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure there were other successful Mr. coaches Verboten that used like, it over there he was so bad, bad. <laughs> Not, he couldn't go with something he wasn't Good German there. You didn't no, have I nothing for you there. No, I don't know. <laughs> I know like four German words. Okay, um, but yeah, like so you look at at the Cragthorpe era, and I feel like the the trademark, like the cornerstone of his three years here was, well, you know, I, I can't work with these players, you know, and, and got rid of a bunch of guys that he couldn't connect with, you know, and and, and cleanse the roster of them to replace them with a bunch of two stars that couldn't play. Um. He, tra- he blamed everybody else for not going to the coaching clinic, and he vo- he blamed Jeff Brom for the offense, and he blamed this until he ran out of guys to blame. And then he got fired. And I'm not saying Kenny Payne's doing that or anything like that because I, I haven't heard him blame anybody else but the players. So, yeah. But that's the thing. If you're blaming – and I'm not saying he's all bl- – but if he's putting a lot of it on the guys you've got on the roster because there's no way around it when you look at the language he's used – especially down the stretch here when he really started talking about the kids that have been brought up the right way and they know how to listen and this and that. Like, man, that really – those are really personal things to say about guys that you're still coaching. You know? Like, at this point, if you get rid of all those guys and you bring in all new guys and you still can't get the job done, I don't feel like you have anywhere else to go. So this is – I can't tell you how key – like the five or six weeks after the end of the season will be for him. And it'll continue into the summer, but that's going to be when everybody's making the big moves and the big names are, are becoming available and we find out who's going to move on from this roster. It's going to be a really important period of, of Kenny Payne's career here, and it'll probably determine what level of success or what level of opportunity for success he's going to have uh, for the upcoming season. It's just I hate where we've been painted into, but that's where he is. He's painting himself into that corner. And I think there's there's a, the, the amount of people that are willing to accept, well, this season was always going to be bad, and these players just aren't nearly good enough, and there was just no way it was going to be any better than 4-28 and 28, is a minority, and it's pretty small. Correct. And it's getting smaller by the day. Oh, listen, the, I've, so much of last night was demoralizing, and I would encourage everybody, uh, by the way, uh, Hoping that our guy Bobby V is on the mend here uh, soon, but Mark Lieberman was in with Bob, uh, on Bobby V's show uh, today and did 
Well, he doesn't always make for riveting radio, but did his very best in kind of just the audio way to just break down some basic things. I like listening to him talk oh, about Oh, I could do that all day, but that. I'm a nerd it's, and I recognize it's, that. It's I riveting mean. radio to me because I, I consider – like he's much he's more of an expert, obviously, than, than we are. you know, And he can tell you exactly what he sees on the court and what's going wrong. And I love listening to that because it – Either confirms or disconfirms what you you know what you feel about the team, and it should. I think the thing that's most demoralizing about last night, and really I think the last two games, is the way that they made the previous five six games, including the Clemson win, but the 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 Miami game, even you know the way that they played at Duke uh, in the loss, the Virginia game, like it, they made all of those feel invalid. You know, they made all of those feel like you did. Because I think what you were hoping is that those games represented like a new floor. A trend, they yeah. Might, you know, we're not saying they didn't. They won one of those games, and I'm still recognizing it as a five, six game stretch that looked like different play. And I still, you know, think that they did kind of stand out. But it really just, it didn't, it just gets wiped away. It's like, okay, they haven't reached a place where we're never going back to that. Because in the last two games, We've gone right back to that. Yeah, because every every really bad team, I feel like, has the ability to to play okay for a couple of games. But we were hoping, like you said, that that was indicative of a new floor, and hopefully, well, that's why I felt so good about being competitive with Georgia Tech or beating Georgia Tech and being competitive with Virginia Tech, having a chance to win these games and make an impression, have something to build on in the off season, and that they just came out so flat at the, in lethargic at the beginning of the Georgia Tech game. Um, and with this one, they just feel like they so felt like they so easily let go of the rope in that four minute stretch in the second half after cutting it to three. It's 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 disappointing. I don't know how much disappointment I've left. You know, it, it's it sucks because I was talking to our buddy Doc Colby last night. He, yeah. he came down and sat next to me, and it was sad because during the senior day festivities and and during the first five or six minutes of the game, I had nobody, literally nobody in the row in front of me. Nobody in the row behind me, at least for like a 10-seat stretch. Nobody to the left of me for like five seats, and nobody to the right to me, right of me for like five seats. It was just me. Uh, it was not hard to miss me. You know, my fat ass was in the middle of that wearing a black shirt and some red seats. It feels like we've been punching Did the clock. Did you see you were wearing a black shirt and red seats? Yes. That's great. You could see me. It was good. Yeah. I. It was. It just feels like, you know, the people that are there, when, when there's been times to cheer, everybody's been cheering. Last night, the crowd was in, engaged. We've been engaged all year. I did has been there. Yeah, I did want to make a special effort very early here to shout out everybody who kept going to games. You know, Diener talked uh, this morning, at least for, for a few minutes, about you know, f- for the people that go, you would never have known that it, it was as bad as it was. I'm very proud of how loud the crowd still seemed on TV. And, you know, in the games that I went to this year, they still got pretty loud, you know, in stretches despite having really nothing to go on. And I also would think it's it speaks well of this of this fan base that showed out like you did for the 2013 recognition. But even in, in the worst of times, never made fools of yourselves. Never – there was no please go to Texas sign – there was never, you know, nothing Not like a that. Not audible boos ever really. Like there was a couple of moments this season. But that's that's fine. I'm talking about stuff that's embarrassing. And I'm saying I, like overwhelming. You know, I'm, there I was mean, never anything like that. And yeah. I I think that for as there has been a tendency at times to put the blame on you all weird, for dude. things, which is crap. And I just feel like overall, uh, the fans handled themselves pretty damn well this year, considering. No group of Louisville fans has ever been the fans for this. Ever. And not to mention it's kind of the cherry on top of a crap Sunday that's been building for seven years. You know, so it's it's it just feels relentless for a lot of fans. I realize it's first world problems, but it's just been it's felt relentless for a fan base that has uh eagerly supported this team for decades. And this team this 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 season has sucked. It has. And it's it's felt at times this year, even though the crowd's been engaged, like it's felt for some of us that have gone to, I've been to almost all, like I missed a couple of games because of work. It's felt like punching the clock. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to punch the clock. I'm going to go to my seat and I'm going <laughs> to 
watch this team lose by 20 and I'm going to go home. <laughs> and I've never felt that way about Louisville basketball. It's always been, I can't miss these games because I love this team so much and it's so rewarding. Well, that, yeah, that's to be there. That's what they always tell you for like motivation. Yeah. Is, you know, the, Try to reframe things as you get to do something instead of I have to do something. You know, get in the practice of kind of sure, saying sure. it that way to yourself and, you know, watch how it kind of changes your mindset and your motivation, all that sort of thing. And it really does. I know exactly what you mean. It has felt like at times I'm enduring this. Yeah. It shouldn't feel like it. It should never, Louisville basketball should never feel like that. And look, Kenny's going to get a chance to do it. He, he had a chance to do it his way this year, but if you want to allow for every single possible reason and excuse, it still wasn't good. Even with every single hindrance that he he had, either real or uh, not so real. So we're going to see him with an offseason of building this, this roster with NIL, and maybe he gets a shot at a couple more 2023 recruits that have Asked out of uh, yeah, some of those are of that's going to happen. Yeah, like we we've seen obviously Dennis Evans. There's a lot of f- smoke there. Hopefully, there's fire. Uh, there's a couple of Ole Miss recruits that are that are available now because Kermit Davis was dismissed, and we might see a few more in this situation. Oh, we're not done with coaching changes and the players that might become available as as a result of. And I feel question. like schools are much more, and they've always been pretty willing to release recruits from uh, NLIs. It's, we have NLI and NIL. It's tough. Uh, national letters of intent. Uh, if coaches get fired or move on, that's always been pretty, pretty standard practice. But I feel like it's even more so now. Like they'll do it immediately with like the transfer portal and NIL and everything and all the opportunities they have to rebuild their roster after a coach leaves. So I I have a feeling we're going to get some more top 100 recruits available and Kenny's probably going to be pretty active with them but the transfer portal is going to be the big thing they need ready-made players that'll come in and impact the game immediately no excuses for next year like I look we we've accepted our reality at this point this is this is what we've got we're going forward but there's no excuses next year there just isn't and it won't be quite as kind if it's been kind at all this year Let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and then we'll open up the phones. I want to hear from folks uh, today. we got one more game, but we're done with games at the Yum Center this for this year. We're done. And I kind of want to hear I from folks. I hate feeling relieved, Mark, honestly. Hmm? Like, well, my, my week has, has freed up. Like, obviously, I'm more – obviously, I'm sad the women's season's over. Um, regular season. And normally I have an opening weekend to look forward to in the yeah. Yum Center after that. But this was after that Notre Dame loss I've – uh, drop that notion, you know, that, that that might happen. And it sucks that it's kind of a clean break and there are no more games in the Yum Center, but it, I'm not nearly as sad about it as I normally feel because this men's team has been such a, I don't know, it hasn't been joyful, hasn't been a fun experience, really. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll hear from you guys on the drive on the Thunderbolt. Right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. We'll go back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. We'll go and open up the phone lines for you here if you want to get in. You can. 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. People love to wave at us to the that window. That guy says hi every day. Every day. Every day. He waves every day. He seems like a really uh, lovely individual. 
the uh, the weather seems to have put everyone in a good mood, and that's good. That's right. It was um, put me in a bad mood because in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, I love Mark. I love the the people I get to talk to on radio every day, but uh, ten times out of ten, I will take eighteen holes on the on the course over coming in and doing this job. I don't even like golf, and I would play golf over hanging right. out with me on a day like this. And I love golf, so you can imagine where I'm at mentally. I'm on the fourth tee right now. Would love uh, to under. to hear from folks. Uh, it does seem like there's been uh, that we had. I think we had perfect. We had made progress from just sort of like I, I was enjoying that five or six games where I felt like we could credibly come on the air and talk about basketball stuff, even when they were losing some games, and make people sort of own the fact that it felt like we had moved upward from some of the worst of the way that the season had looked. And I guess maybe the blowout loss to Pitt was kind of the worst. I don't know. I'm not sure where everyone did. That one sort of seemed to really, really feel the worst, uh, losing at Pitt the way so, they did when they made the 100 threes in that game. The second half of the season. But I'd this one – the last couple of games, it just feel, it feels like all of that has just come rushing right back in. And, and I don't know if I'm sort of alone in that, but I, I don't think I am. I, I definitely think the last two games in particular have made people feel like th- they're still the team that has done this thing all year. Not that they – the fact that they have played differently in other games only proves – that the vast majority of the problem is between the ears. You know, that's kind of the, the there's a damning kind of element to constantly calling attention to the fact that they routinely fall behind and dig out. And they do. And they did it last night. And they've done it in just about every game. There's been a stretch where uh, they're inexplicably down 18 and they cut it to four or they got to three or six or, or what have you. you know, from being down 18 or 14 or 19 or 27 or whatever it might be. But that that doesn't prove a good thing, to me. Like, or I've been tempted. Like, your first reaction is gonna be, like, "Well, see, they keep they keep fighting. They keep well, not really." Why are they so unprepared for the beginning of the game? Like, like they, they don't start fighting until yeah. they're down eighteen. But last night was a little different. But, but yeah. those stretches prove that it is in there. Yeah. The fact that they they've done that in a whole bunch of games proves it is in there, and they don't let it out anything close to consistently Mm -hmm. and to me like that's a it reflects poorly on them not well the best thing the thing that would reflect best on them is to just not fall down by 19 to crappy virginia tech team at all yeah why don't we try that it's a weird idea you got there you got a lot of big ideas over there you (laughs) beatnik it reminds me of the (laughs) crazy talk there was this espn commercial back in the day uh, where the the, you know, the ESPN, the, the NFL primetime crew, so Chris Berman, Tom yeah. Jackson, you know, Pete Axel, to go way back there, people like that. Oh, the old school team. They had a commercial. It was after the Steelers lost to the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, and you had Neil O'Donnell throw those interceptions to, to Larry Brown. He loves And it was like there was that episode. There was a commercial for, for primetime where Tom Jackson is like pretending to be a philosophy professor, and he's like, "What could Neil O'Donnell have done differently?" And people are like, he could have audible, he could have handed off, could have done this. And the answer was, he could have just not thrown those interceptions. That was the answer. That was the answer like yeah. that's how I feel. Like that's what I just did. Like the best thing you could do in terms of like navigating falling down by eighteen is to not fall down by eighteen. And so, like I have consciously chosen to not go crazy about and not give them a bunch of credit for these comebacks because they sh- they shouldn't need them. Do you know how – like, they should never – Virginia Tech didn't have an 18 and 19 and 21-point leads against anybody. Against anybody. And one of the things that has driven me crazy this year is the way people who have glossed over the results of games without really drinking in exactly how bad they are. Like, yeah. it's – It's gotten very routine to lose to bad teams by a lot of points. To be almost desensitized to it. Yeah. But not just that it's happening – the way that it is happening. You know, it's not that they couldn't hold on against Virginia Tech or the, like they just couldn't hit a shot when they needed it. They were down 18. Yeah. Every, like they're not – there's no excuse for this. And even last year's team that people have tried to equate to this year's team, which they do not, we'll talk about that in a second, they, didn't, they weren't losing like that. 
Like we've reached a new low here. And it like I it just doesn't feel like we're even saying enough to just say like they're losing. They're getting destroyed routinely and occasionally kind of do that thing that like people do when they're in the hospital. It's like at the end when they sort of had like that last gasp, literally. Like they do that. But this one, like this one last night, it felt like it was perfect. We're going to cut this 18 point lead to three, three, go to a timeout. And by the time you could go to a Keurig and make yourself a fresh hot cup of coffee, you come back, they're back down 18 again. Yeah. It was the most absurd thing I've ever seen. It was a wild couple of minutes. It really was where we were getting good shots and they were making everything and they were open on every shot. And you could just see it. It was, it was bizarre. Like you blinked. If you went up, to, if you if you turned around, and had a conversation with somebody, turned back around, it was a ten point difference. If you were like just a, a super chatty Kathy, like at a game, you could have talked to your the person next to you, or in your case, a couple rows away from you. Yeah. But you talked Yelled to that guy, person the other section. and missed the whole thing, and just turned around and they're back down eighteen. And you never had any idea. To, it never got any closer than it did. <laughs> Would you look at that? Yeah. And I, I think we'll get to Tammy here just a second, but I think. I think it's best for everyone. And I recognize, again, we have a spectrum of opinions about Kenny and about how this year <coughs> went and how, who's to blame for it, all that stuff. No one, we've got to help them. We've got to help the announcing crews for these games, although there's probably only, what, two games left for Louisville, most likely? Uh, yeah, most likely. Somewhere they've got it in their heads that fans want to see here support for what's happening right now and i don't think anyone wants to hear it right now i know that d uh, Dreener, uh and blank played a lot of it uh last time uh, but it, it was perry clark was the the color uh analyst that was you know talking up KP and and like cheerleading in a way that i just don't think anyone's in the mood to hear not to mention like you gotta like have a little bit of kind of read the room to it. Like when the other team is just like throwing lobs, and and as Lieberman says, like they run the same play for the last five minutes of the game and score every time. I have something for like I, I okay go ahead. I don't want you to tell me about how they're growing as a team when I'm watching that happen. I like we've got to do something to where these announcers. You don't have to do it. You don't have to 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 politic, and it's it's especially kind of jarring when it's going as badly as it is. Yeah. So. I think it comes from a good place, but I, I think a lot no of it's a byproduct it. of everybody likes Kitty Payne, like especially yeah. in media. You know what I mean? He has a lot of friends, and and to them, like what during the game, there's not a lot of during there's not a lot of situations where the announcers and the color guy are going to crap on the coach, even when it's bad. It just doesn't happen very often. It really does. Think about it. It doesn't happen that often, even when it's hopeless. I don't hear it that often. You know, it's it's especially when the guy. They like is the head coach over there, and it's in his first year. I think if this was year two or three, they might stop with the rhetoric, you know, but they're not going to be honest with you about how bad it is. But talking about running the same play over and over again, I started really watching the coaching staffs in the second half because there's been a lot of uh, rancor and a lot of back and forth about how Kenny and the staff acts during the game and the fact that we know they don't have a lot of plays on offense. It's not, that's not, we wish they did. A few more sets that they could get into out of out of timeouts and out of if you see something like a little more direction from the coaching staff instead of just being like, well, we we have a set, you know, where we have a a much looser system with our players. I don't know if our players are good enough for that, but anyway, I watched their coaching staff and Mike Young call the same play. Like Coach Lieberman's not wrong; he's absolutely right. I watched them call the same play with the same hand signal. Four or five times in a row. I remember because it was like, I think he did like a four or five and then made like the timeout signal, pretty much. I watched him do it. And each time, they had two options. They got a roll into the basket and they had number 21 wide open for a three about half the time. I kept watching the play. And it was a basic play. Duke did the same thing. I've seen it a million times. Yeah, and it happened a lot during the Duke game as well. Because they know that our, our team is not very good defensively. They make the same mistakes over and over defensively where you would think like there'd be an in-game adjustment or they would have been prepped for it before the game. Or even if they don't know what's coming, you could have a timeout and say, this is how they've killed you, three straight possessions, don't let it happen, a fourth? That's the stuff that really bothers people. Like, it's not just that they're 
we don't think they're prepared for the game. They also don't get the in-game adjustments either, it seems like. Like, it's – you can keep – if you're killing this team with a play or a set in the first half, you can keep killing them with it in the second half. There's not going to be some big adjustment made. And, I mean, you can blame the players 100% if that's what you want to do. But I don't think that's realistic. Like, I wish that people weren't so tribal about this, where it's either all on the players or all on the coaches. The truth is it's somewhere in the middle, but it's leaning to the coaches, in my opinion, pretty hard. There is accountability on both sides, but if you, if you think that it's 100% this or 100% this, you're wrong. There are, it's a degree somewhere in the middle. It's not black and white. But, man, it's hard not to, to feel this lack of in-game adjustments, this lack of, of response you know, when your team is getting absolutely drugged by the same play over and over again, it's like, man, you got to call a timeout and get in their ears and draw it up and say, this is what they're doing to you over and over again. If you can't see that, I'm not sure how you can't see that, but this is your response to it. And this is what you should be doing. And this is what you should be looking for. And I just don't ever see those adjustments that are so key in college basketball. What do we? It's a chess game. When you've got a good coach and a good team against another good coach and good team. It's a chess game. And there's in-game adjustments, left and right. And we don't ever do that. If you keep punching us, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're getting us, you're beating us with the right hook all game, we're not going to adjust. You can just keep doing it. Let's go to the phones. Let's kick things off here with Tim. Tim, welcome into the drive on the time of the What's up? What's going on, fellas? Hey, bud. It's beautiful out today. It's March, and here's the best thing of the day. Next month, we've got football. Next month, we've got football spring game. So we're getting closer, boys. Mm -hmm. So a couple things about basketball. You know, I call your show every now and then. I I consider myself a pretty big fan. (laughs) Saturday, Georgia Tech game. Now, part of this was Bally Network, whatever that is. I was was doing some stuff Saturday. I was like, crap, there's a game today. I turned the radio to take a half. It was the second half, and I didn't even realize the game had started. Last night, we are down, what, 17 or 18? I didn't know we were down three until you just said it. I fell asleep, and I woke up, and there was NBA highlights blaring on my TV at, like, 1.30 in the morning. The fact that we just don't care anymore, and these announcers that you were just talking about, the head pack, they want to know what the fans are thinking and what the fans want to hear. Look in the arena, man. Look mm. around them. There's 4,000 people there last night, maybe 5,000. I don't know what the number is. So as we head into the next season, obviously he's going to be back. And a lot of this is on the players. He's right. But players that are making these mistakes over and over need coaches to step up and make them successful. They need coaches to step up and show them what they're doing wrong instead of letting these dudes from Virginia Tech fly down the lane out of control, fire up some crazy shot, and then some dude comes flying in behind him with the rebound and puts it back in, and our guys are just standing there looking at him. Coaches need to help these guys figure out what they need to do. So I hope Kenny looked around last night. I hope Josh Hurd looked around last night and saw how many people were not there. Because from what everybody said, it was the worst of the year last night, or one of the worst. The fans are done. <laughs> the fans aren't even, we're not even mad, guys. We're glad it's over, and I don't want to hear about these recruits. That's great if these guys come in, but we're checking out. We'll check back in when there's something to check in about. But we, you know, all these crystal balls, we've seen crystal balls before, right, with other guys in the last couple months. Let me know when it's a palm reading. Let me know when the palm reading says a guy's coming. And when these guys get here, you know, I don't want to hear all this moving in silence crap and all these big names coming in. Let's see what happens next year, but it's a shame. Four and twenty, what are we? Four and twenty-seven, four and twenty-six. I mean, it's, it really is unbelievable when you say it out loud. So, I hope the people in charge are paying attention because this can't keep going on. It cannot keep happening. So, hey, football is next month. You guys enjoy it. I'll check back with you in football season. Take care, boys. Appreciate uh, the call there. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the angst for football to get here is going to uh only grow that's someone trying to call the text line by the way i always have to be aware of that i'm always i love that yeah. i'm always I'm like oh man we got text text line not call the text line that between that and like the text to the valvano show during the three hour dead period on do love that too it's my favorite by the way we did have i i this uh, 
the point is not the, the, the politics of it, whatever that might be. But I did enjoy, 315, we just get a text that just says, Biden will forgive your sins. <laughs> Love and that. and I, the truth is, like, whatever the origin story of that text is, it's not, like, it's, it's hilarious. Because CNN it's not connected is, to anything CNN we've said at nothing. all. Yeah, it could be somebody, you know, it could be meant for Andy because God knows whatever's being said, you know, <laughs> over there, right? Like, right. this could be anything. I don't know where that came from, but it's very funny. But yeah, I mean, to his point, there are a lot of people that have checked out almost, I think, for their own. I don't know about the crowd last night. I, I, I was there. For me. I was there. Um, during senior activities, it was paltry. I will put it that way. Pre-game, it was paltry. It wasn't, it was one of the smaller crowds I've seen this year. It was pretty small. It was a 9 o'clock game on a Tuesday. Like, it was tough. Um, it filled in from the senior activities. Like, I think that there was probably, I don't know. I'm usually pretty good at crowd estimations. I'm the son of a stadium manager. but 5,000? I, I think probably five to six, maybe, somewhere in there. At its peak. Yeah. Um, but during senior activities, there couldn't have been more than 1,500 people in the stands, I don't think. It was pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Um, yeah, and it was just Sydney and L. And, you know, it's I, I, I was hoping Sydney would have a good game. He had a good start. You know, he came out and he hit two buckets early and got a rebound. And I was like, man, maybe Sydney's got a fire under him today. His parents are here to watch him. And then by the end of the game, like by second half, he just kind of disappeared. And then when he put him back in the second half, I saw on the basket on the south end where I sit, he had he missed a layup. He got the rebound and missed the follow, and I don't think he got more than six inches off the ground on either shot. Like, I was just watching his legs going, dude, elevate, explode through the defender. You know, make force a foul that way because you see that it's a visible, it's visible contact, but you need to explode from your legs and have power. And it's just such a passive jump, and I feel like that's such a, like a microcosm of what he's been all season. And I wish him the, I wish him the best going forward. I know something had to have happened in his life for this and i won't speculate but like i hope that he's in a good place mentally i hope he finds success somewhere but his his time in the university of Louisville basketball program i think is at an end let's get paul in your next paul welcome into the drive what's up buddy turn the radio down hey i can hear me yes Yes, sir yes sir sir. no all right uh i just i wanted to comment on uh you know what I expect for for next year because I I was one of the I expected a rough season I didn't expect what we got but you know next year we need to beat the directional schools when they come in we we need to beat them you know anybody that's not a, a top power five you know mid level power five team we shouldn't struggle with like we did this year and. Uh, you know, and this wasn't even all respect for for uh, Bellerman and, and uh, Scotty Davenport, but this wasn't even one of his best teams. No, it wasn't. And they beat us. No. You know, it, we've got to do much, much better at the teams that we should beat. If we're supposed to, if we're on paper that oh that we should beat that team, we need to be beating them. There was nobody we could look at this year and go, oh, we should beat them. We should beat them. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And to get us back, like I said, I, I, I was kind of checked out from, from the get-go, but it got worse as the, as the season went on. It, to get the fans fully committed back, we've got to start beating those teams again. Well, yeah. I, listen, Paul. I appreciate the other call there. Yes. Uh, again, I think that's minimum. Well, this. Well, and and that's yeah. the that's the problem. It's the it's the high risk game that Kenny has played this year, with you know I think implicitly and explicitly just putting it all on them, the players. Well, then they you better change them because you're the person in charge of all that. And these new players that you pick, by and large, better look. They better be damn good. Like it better be a whole lot better right away, because you're the only common denominator at that point. Mm-hmm. Let's get to Thomas in here before we hit the top of the hour break. Thomas, hey buddy, welcome into the drive. What's up? Hey, thanks, guys. Um, what I want to sound off about is 
Hey, Cardinal Nation, we've heard it all year long. We know we're not any good. We know we're dribbling off our feet. We know we look like clowns out there in terms of playing basketball. But the more that we continue to perpetuate that and drive that um, negativity, that's all we're going to hear and do. It's uh, I'm, I don't care if it's Cardinal tennis. Go Cards. I don't. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to continue to raise this mantra of Cardinal Nation and Cardinal Family, well, damn it, let's start sticking to it. Let's start realizing that season has been long over. You think these guys want to hear it? No, it makes it longer for them. Don't sit there and beat your brethren down um, the entire rest of the year. No kidding that we look like crap. You don't think they're watching the same game? So some of these marginal fans that continue to call in, not all of them, some of them have very valid points and are frustrated. Well, guess what? I'm frustrated on the other side as well. I didn't enjoy the season. I didn't enjoy losing. I, I went to games, but I'm not, I'll be damned if I'm going to give up tickets and say, well, I'm giving up on them after a year. You're only a fan for a year? Come on, get over yourself. Let's rally together, continue to grab these boys, whoever they are, whoever sticks with us, because they're still going to go out and um, blast our name, right? Oh, this fan base is horrible. This, I don't want that on me. Absolutely not. So I don't care if uh, we lose the next two games and don't do anything in the ACC tournament. I'm going to cheer them on. We need a little bit more positivity in this fan base to start growing a little bit further. We got a hell of a football season on the way. Um, so Cardinal Nation doesn't mean just Cardinal basketball. It means everything encompassing. Have a great day. I'm out. Good to hear uh, from Thomas. Look, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with any of that, uh, like encouraging people to be positive. Where it's sort of, uh, well, just to be positive all the time. There's nothing wrong with just sort of encouraging people to be a fan. But I do want to come back to that one little element of it, and then I've got spent last night and this morning just sort of battling with folks. I like my the worst narratives. I'm going to run through them. And then hopefully we just won't have to do it anymore. On the other side here, on the drive on the Thunderville.